My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to them, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe. That Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Being the youngest of three brothers, I'm still prone to sibling pressure. It was a few years ago that my brother Craig was very insistent that I needed to watch this television show that he had gotten addicted to, pun intended, called Breaking Bad. And when I resisted, quite surprisingly, and I can assure you without the slightest of expression of any desire of this from me, That Christmas, he got me the entire series of Breaking Bad on DVD, saying that I needed to watch it because he needed someone to talk about with this. And I did end up watching it, and while I too found myself drawn into the drama, it was a horrendous show. I literally woke up one evening from this deep sleep from a nightmare in which agents from the Drug Enforcement Agency were breaking down my door until I remembered, oh yeah, that's right, I don't do meth. So, great drama, horrible show, in which truly everything, in fact, did break bad. So I've learned to take my brother's recommendations in stride. 
So when another good friend of mine had encouraged me to check out this TV series, Ted Lasso, and I explained that this had been one of my brother Craig's recommendations and why I was resistant, he assured me it was a funny and somewhat heartwarming show and that I would really like it. And I didn't realize that Ted Lasso had become this monster hit for Apple TV, receiving critical acclaim, getting the most Emmy nominations for a new show, and surprising many in the entertainment industry. As the star of the show, Jason Sudeikis, observed, it's shocking to me because it's built around two things that Americans hate, soccer and kindness. While I am a fan of kindness, I can say that for the most part, I've never really been a fan of soccer. And the premise is that Ted is this American football coach who hails from Kansas City, Kansas, has been hired by this British soccer team as their head coach. I should also point out right now for parents, this is an adult show, particularly when it comes to language. There's a lot, a lot of profanity for sure. So let's everyone go home from mass and say, oh yeah, Father Jim recommended this show and I start getting hate mail. Just be forewarned. Without spoiling the, the plot twist of the program though, one of the central storylines is that this team is struggling. If their record of wins over losses doesn't improve, they're gonna be relegated to this less prestigious league. So you have this very clever setup of having this sunny, Midwestern optimistic Ted Lasso with these professional soccer players who think this new coach being hired is the ultimate of jokes who they describe in very colorful terms and they see him as the final nail in their coffin. But from the moment that he lands in England, Coach Lasso's primary goal is trying to break his players out of yielding to the pessimism that they're all struggling with. He's seen over and over trying to get them to let go of their failures or their mistakes, both on and off the field, to not keep overthinking and sowing doubts about themselves as individuals or as a team. And his approach is summed up with a handmade sign that he tapes up in the locker room with a single word on it, believe. No matter what happens on or off the field, that's the recurring theme. Learning to accept that a win or a loss doesn't define you as an individual as long as you're trying your best. The wild success of the show is notable because that's not a common message that you see depicted in entertainment anymore. Coach Lasso doesn't turn into a serial killer. There's actual redemption stories and people who experience transformations and all of that is just refreshing. And like everything else in our day and age, when something becomes a, a hit, very quickly the message and images from the show become these, these cultural memes. So you can find all kinds of coffee mugs and stickers galore and even ugly Christmas sweatshirts with mock-ups of Coach Lasso and that one word, believe on it. And I'm always fascinated by these things. When something goes viral, when it becomes a meme, what is it about that show This is all about soccer and kindness that's made it such a hit? What is it about that message, that word believe, that resonates with people, that they, they want to even have merchandise so that they can wear that word or have that, that image of that word displayed. 
Well, the fact that the show premiered in, in August 2020, only months into the pandemic, is one reason for sure. This has been a time where people have been feeling far more vulnerable and frightened and looking for an escape from such unpredictable and unprecedented things. But even outside these, these strange times, there's something about that word believe that taps into something that people truly long for. As clever and as inspirational as that show is, and while that simple message has registered for so many, that word believe is almost being marketed in a very general way that leaves it like a blank canvas where people are being invited to paint on it whatever it is that's going to make them feel optimistic about themselves or the world. But that can only go so far. How does believing go from being something that's simply a feel-good, power-positive-thinking type of thing to something that's authentic and life-giving and transformative? That's when you believe in something that's rooted to something truly authentic and life-giving and transformative, which providentially this gospel demonstrates. One of the key words that kept coming up was, yeah, you guessed it, believe. It was used over five times in this passage. And it's being used to contrast some very strong and somewhat debilitating unbelief. Just a quick refresher at the verses right before this passage, right before this, St. John describes the revelation of the, the Easter miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. First, Mary Magdalene arrived at the tomb and sees that the stone is rolled away. And she runs to Peter and John, who in turn run to the tomb and find it empty as well. Let's not forget, these were men who had left everything behind to follow Jesus for years. These men had witnessed the feeding of the multitudes, exorcisms of demons, healings of life-threatening illnesses, restorations of people's sight and hearing and speech, the ability to walk, even the raising of the dead. Yet when they see the empty tomb and they discover the burial cloths rolled up, Jesus is very neat. Even when they, a short time later, when Mary Magdalene encounters the risen Christ herself and grabs hold of him in joy, who tells her to go announce this not good news, this great news, this amazing news, this changes the entire course of human history news of his resurrection, what is their response? They're huddled together, locked behind closed doors, gripped in fear. We're not even sure whether they believe or not. And why is that? Because they're overwhelmed by their own failures and their betrayals, having abandoned Jesus during his hour of passion and death. Thomas, who every year on this Sunday, I argue, has been unfairly labeled as the doubting one, since he's probably saying what the rest of them were initially thinking. If he should be labeled anything, he should be maybe the patron saint of people who miss on Sunday, because where was he that first week? That's what I want to know, but I digress. 
But Thomas is missing that first encounter on Easter Sunday. It sets things up for that unbelief to be highlighted again. Where Jesus now returns eight days later that following Sunday to that same upper room. And notice that the rest of them who were there on Easter Sunday, yes, they're there again, but they're still scared. The doors are still locked out of fear. And Jesus has to greet them again with his message of peace. What ultimately moves them from unbelief to belief is Jesus pouring out his gift of divine mercy. He knows that they're stuck on themselves. They're fixated on on their failures and their mistakes, their doubts about themselves as individuals and as a group. This incredible news of his resurrection, his conquering sin and death, his promise of eternal life comes not by just telling them to believe. It comes by his forgiving their sins. And when they accept that, and when they believe that, it renews everything that they had already come to know and believe in Jesus before. In fact, very beautifully, Jesus picks up where he left off with them in that same room on Holy Thursday, when he first instituted the Eucharist and ordained them as his first priests. In that room where he taught them that his priesthood was one of selfless, sacrificial love and that was demonstrated with the washing of their feet. Well, he now takes this a step further with them, telling them that this gift of mercy, which they have just experienced, they're now commissioned to go and forgive sins in his name. Jesus is making it clear that everything he's done and accomplished He's now empowering his church to do. He's ordained his priest to be his very presence and to go to every corner of the earth in every age to serve and to heal and to forgive and to love as he has. That comes about, though, when the apostles humbly and honestly accept their limitations and their weaknesses. And when they, in that vulnerability, Trust that the love incarnate who had been nailed to a tree has now come back to life and still loves them enough and enters into those limitations and weaknesses. The joy of the Easter season is that the word believe for us is more than just a blank canvas or a hopeful expression to make us feel good. No, for us as Catholic Christians, Easter is the greatest of feasts and seasons because it reminds us that God believes in us. He believes in an inherent goodness and dignity that he created and fashioned us with. He believes in the potential that we carry within us when we cooperate with his grace and we accept the gifts of the sacraments of the church for us to become saints ourselves. What will be our response? Will we recognize that he left us this church? He's gifted us with this tradition that we're privileged to intimately encounter the risen Christ every time we receive his body and blood in the Eucharist. Will we trust in his gentleness and his mercy and see how he wants to enter into those those dark upper rooms of failure and despair that we lock ourselves into? to offer us his peace in the sacrament of reconciliation, that he wants to breathe on us 
and gift us with his Holy Spirit to make us his faithful witnesses and agents of his love and mercy to the rest of the world. It's when we allow ourselves to enjoy and to use these gifts that the word believe moves from a mere sentiment to something that truly defines and transforms our lives now and for all eternity.